Weird H-E, Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon, whichever way you want to say it, really. And you're listening to Afro Mythos, the podcast where we discuss all things African mythology, folklore, and culture. That's right. So thank you for taking the time out to explore this amazing world with us. By definition, a sibling is a relative that shares at least one parent. They often represent the closest bonds between humans. Yeah, and siblings can also portray some of the most conflicting relationships in human nature. They can represent conflicting traits such as order and chaos, life and death, good and evil, creation and destruction. And in ancient cultures, sibling relationships were often used to explain a lot of things, which is often why we see elements of the same story appear in various cultures. Like Zeus, Hades and Poseidon in the Greek mythology Mm -hmm. and Izinagi and Izinami in the Shinto Japanese mythology mm-hmm. and Sakbata Etau, you know, um, we, we're not, we aren't going to name all of them, mm-hmm. um, but that's Maui Lisa's children in the Dahomian mythology. Yeah, and these stories can even be seen in pop culture today. For example, Thor and Loki from Marvel Thor and Loki. <laughs> I don't know what movie is. It, it's from Thor. the North Gods. They're from the North the, culture. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Mufasa and Scar and Lion King and Anna and Elsa and Frozen. Ooh. Yeah. If this intro intrigues you to the point where you want to do some more research, we'll be putting up our list of all our resources and show notes, um, which will be available on our Patreon. Yeah, and with that, today we're talking about siblings in African mythology and folklore. Okay, so today I'll be talking about Voodoo's sacred twins, Marasa Jumo or Marasa. Mm, yeah. Interesting names. Have you heard of them? No, no, never. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's French. I, yeah, so the Jumo looks French. It's J U M E A U X. Oh, oh do you uh, parler français? No, no, no. <laughs> Je ne <pas. laughs> um, So, yeah, Marasa Jumo are spirits of paradox and divine twins in Haitian voodoo. So, they are yin and yang, and yet they are one. They are mirror reflections, but they represent both sides of the mirror. They are the creator's very first children, as well as the very first dead. Their name derives from a Kigongo word, Mabasa, meaning those who come divided or the one who comes as two. They are mystic, sacred, mysterious spirits considered to have magical powers and the ability to heal. They're also guardians of children and provide and protect fertility. Okay. So, you know, they kind of reminded me a little bit of the Ibiji, but I guess in this pantheon, they're more, um, what's the word? Like... Not powerful, but what's the one when it's like more revered? Um, I guess they're venerated more. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It's more important. I don't want to say important, but yeah. They're higher (laughs) up in the food chain. That's in the food chain, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. These are apex. (laughs) Apex gods. Someone just watched The Apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) The Marasa are very powerful, so much so that if you're a twin or have had twins in your family, you're required to serve them. So, yeah, I guess there's no going back. If you have twins or have had twins, like you have to serve them. Yeah, when you say serve, do you just mean like you have to pray to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you have to worship them. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So the Marasa are different from the standard law. So Loa are spirits in um, voodoo um, religion as Mm -hmm. L O A. Loa. Loa. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they're different because they are children, but they are ancient, and they are actually on a level above um, other lore. So that's why I said, you know, they're like Imbiji, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So in Haitian voodoo, the Marisa are actually served right after Papa Legba and are given a high place of importance. Okay, we hear of Papa, Papa Legba a, a, a lot. lot. Yeah, um, yeah, he's like one of the, you know, the ones that you that. The name got around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, they're also different from standard law because they're counted in their number. So throughout most of the world, the general consensus is that twins are two offspring produced by the same pregnancy, right? That's yeah. what twins mm-hmm. are. Um, so for the Marasa, it's much more fluid than that. They're both twins and yet they number three. So they're portrayed both as twins and triplets. And they're also both male and both female. Okay. So very fluid. Okay. Like, where, where does the triplet, where's the third one come in? Let me break it down. Okay. So, as we all know, it takes two to make three, right? And one of the, <laughs> you know, quick two, math. Quick <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the Marathas paradoxes is that the one who comes as two may really come as three. So in voodoo cosmology, twins are perceived perceived as incomplete. They await the third who completes them, the delayed triplet. Okay, right, okay. So the child born after the twins is known as dosu for male or dosa for female. And the twins are actually known as forerunners of this third. So the single child born after twins is considered even more powerful than the twins combined. So extra care is always taken of this child. So that's why it's like the Marasa are twins, but they count like the child after the Marasa as part of like mm-hmm. them. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess this sounds like a, um, like it's it's come from the Yoruba um Ibaji and then the third one being the Ido remember? Yeah, yeah. I would say come from, but I guess it's the same Yeah. The same kind of thing. Yeah. But like obviously different cultures and languages so they call it different. Because even in Ghana, um we uh, we call it so because I'm after twins, I'll be mm-hmm. Terrier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I feel like yeah, every kind of culture or pantheon or whatever mythology has their own yeah, but which one came first? I don't know. But which one came first? It's the Nigerian first? you. You wouldn't say, yeah, Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cass. Last, last. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, in Haitian voodoo, the range of what constitutes a twin is quite wide. So, as I've just explained, you know, technically, the Marata is three. Mm-hmm. Um, but as well as this, there's more. So, children born with extra fingers or toes are also considered twins. Yeah. So say if you were born with uh, 11 fingers instead of 10, mm. then you'd be considered a twin. Okay. Or if you were born with an extra toe, then you would be considered a twin. Do you want to know why? I'm guessing because some of the spirit of the first, second person slipped into yours. Yeah, so they say, the saying goes is that they ate the other child while oh. in the womb. Thus, the extra digit represents the other half. Damn, I'd be looking at people differently now. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like what spiders or crabs do. <laughs> But you know that actually happens though. Sometimes children like consume the other child in the womb. 
if they're twins. Okay, I'm I'm hoping what you mean by that is that they absorb them in terms of nutrients wise, and not that you see them open them up no, and no, gnawing no, no, at the other one. I think it happens. It literally happens at a very early stage. So it's not like when they're you know very like developed and it's like that. No, it's not like okay, that. Okay, okay. Then be careful when you say it happens no, when I'm how, talking about how crabs are eating <laughs> other crabs. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I have an imagery in my head, <laughs> and you just put a baby oh in there. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> anyway, these children are often referred to as avelekete. I hope I said that right. Um, so, as well as this, children born with webbed feet or hands are also considered marasa. So, okay. Yeah, the marasa are known to have clairvoyance. The ability to heal, to bestow good luck in general, and the power to double or triple anything. Why are you looking at your hands? Um, you, you know, like when <laughs> when you hear about Spider-Man and you're like, oh, imagine if I've been hit okay. by spider So I'm just like, oh, maybe I might get, you know, have an extra okay. pinky growing there. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me about more, more anyway, about the powers so- I might have. <laughs> Let's go again. So the Marasa are known to have clairvoyance, the ability to heal, to bestow good luck in general, or the power to double or triple anything. And they can also produce rain at will. And it's been said that many human twins can also have these abilities. Okay. So, you know. Yeah. All in all, the Marasa represent either love, truth and justice, or faith, hope and charity. Okay. Um, yeah. The real question to me is: mm-hmm. Do your siblings have these powers, and um, why haven't they used it? <laughs> Gonna have to ask them that one. Shot. I don't think I don't know if they have those powers. Um, but maybe we'll wait till um, Sally's babies are a bit older, and then mm. we can see if okay. they have those powers. <laughs> okay. No pressure. No pressure on them. Shout out to Naraya and Eva Rose. Okay. So. Some people also say that the Marasa may be um, the fun creator spirit Mary Lisa in disguise. Okay. Yeah, some people say that. Um, and when the Marasa come as three, they're often envisioned as female. So they are syncretized to the charity's three graces, Saints Faith, Hope and Charity, and Saints Mary's de la Mer. The Marasa are also more commonly syncretized with the Catholic saints Cosmas and Damien. So these saints were brothers who were born in the Arabia, so this is modern day Syria, mm-hmm. around 270 AD. And they became well known because they were Christian doctors who refused money for their services and were labeled as the moneyless ones. So often um, the Marasa are kind of syncretized with these saints as well. And yeah, right. that's all about the Marasa. So we took a dip into the voodoo. Haitian land and it was very interesting okay yeah I, I was just thinking you know when you talked about them being Maulisa in the sky yeah tell me more about that. <laughs> oh I wish I could tell you more about that <laughs> you know what it but, sounds like to me it, yeah. it sounds like you know undercover buses <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've just gone to different country and see how's it going over here but um as with many of these that like we found with Shasi and the and the amazing, um, it's so hard to find a lot of info. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, even one of the um, documents I was reading, like the person like put a little blurb at the beginning or whatever, a little intro, and they were like, um, "Yeah, it was really hard to find <laughs> to find information for this." Because someone please write a book because we need it. <laughs> I feel yeah, I feel yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, I I just assumed that maybe they are 
some people think it's Mary Lisa in disguise because of the whole idea that, you know, they're both male, both female. Mm. Um, they're kind of really fluid in their um, identity. Yeah, um, true. I, could, I can see the similarity. Yeah. Okay. So Fair enough. I guess that part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank Brilliant. you. <laughs> so I guess it's my turn, isn't it? It is indeed. Okay. The Yoruba people often created stories to help them make sense of the world around them. And these stories were passed down and known as, you know, patakis, which is like Ooh. oral traditions that are passed down. Nice. Um, because they were they were always written down. So is that a Yoruba word? I don't actually know. Actually. Okay, it doesn't strike me as one. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. I've seen it a lot. Yeah. You know, um the patakis or a patakis. Anyway, um, the complex relationship between Ogun and Shango is a testament to that. Mm-hmm. So first, who are Ogun and Shango? I'm glad you asked. I'm looking around <laughs> to, to ask. I'm glad <laughs> so Shango is the warrior king of, of Oyo, the god of lightning and thunder. And like some other Orishas, Shango is both a deified ancestor and a natural force. Mm. The ancestral Shango was said to have died and transcended to heaven via a chain. Interestingly, he is said to have taken on some attributes from an existing god, Jakuta, who represented the wrath of God. And after generation, Shango's followers succeeded in instilling his place as an Orisha and with and with the rise of the Oyo Kingdom as a central expansive power in the Yoruba Kingdom, he became one of the most powerful and well known Orishas across Africa. Ooh, it kind of reminds me of the first episode of our YouTube series, mm-hmm. African Mythology and Religion. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. We kind of touched on deified ancestors and natural forces. We so do. It's cool to we see do. it, you know, come full circle-ish. Indeed, nice. it does. Now about Ogun. <laughs> Ogun is the Yoruba god of iron and war. One of the main Orishas who was sent down to earth. He cleared the path from the divine to the physical world and is also venerated as the god of blacksmiths. Scholars date his emergence of you know, of worship to the God of iron, you know, to the beginning of the iron age, being the divinity of iron. And um, so that also made him the God of like war and hunting in like early civilization. And the earliest found iron smelting sites are found in central Nigeria, thus making Ogun a primary Yoruba deity. Okay. So now that we've gone through the, you know, the introductions out of the way, those of you who listen closely you know, might have seen that there's like an overlap between the warrior king and the god of war. And their relationship is very interesting to me. Sometimes as rivals, sometimes as brothers, and, you know, sometimes one instead of another. And this is because, as we try to let everyone know, the same way Africa Africa is not a monolith, Nigeria is also not a monolith. And with that, you know, within the Yoruba tribe itself, it's not just one tribe. And scholars believe that depending on the prominence of the of the gods Ogun or Shango, you can imply the sub-ethnic Yoruba group that is dominant in that area. As by virtue of its dominance, you can also see the, their importance in the pantheon. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, the Ijesas, I think I'm saying that mm-hmm. right. Um, it, you know, with the Ijesas, Ogun is a popular deity, but Shango is not. Shango is associated with the Oyo Yoruba, you know, the Oyo Yoruba, because you know he's from the Oyo Kingdom, and and so they were like the enemies of the Ijesa, um, 
you know, kingdom in the 19th century. Mm. And the wars between them ended in a stalemate, leaving the different groups with different ideas of, you know, their supremacy. Who won? Who won? I don't know. <laughs> um, and so their wars were fierce and competition was fiercer. So thinking about it, um, you know, back then they wouldn't have had like a label such as, you know, they're Nigerians or they're Yoruba. Um, they were just like independent autonomous states, you know, fighting each other yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. And the term Yoruba itself was a term that was coined recently and gave like different subgroups a pan identity. Right. So all this backdrop is to say that um, this could be why there's so many stories about the intense rivalry of Shango and Ogun. And although they're now one tribe, so brothers, the stories would attest to their hate of one another, their fierce competition and their respective triumph or losses. However, I've definitely heard more stories of Shango winning. Um, <laughs> so whilst I think that he might lose in a fight with Ogun, he definitely had a better PR team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he always wins the girls, which is the reason we fight, you know? Wow. Love and one or that. Do. I, okay, so <laughs> I will be telling the story about Ogun, Shango, and um, the love interest, Oya. Um, because you know how Oya is seen as like a fierce warrior? Yeah. So obviously she'll be paired with a fierce Yeah, person, so I can see but, why they'd both want her. Yeah. So initially, um, the person who, you know, was her husband was Ogun, the god of war. But let me tell the story. Let me tell the okay, story. Okay, <laughs> damn. Okay, so, um, so Yamoja, mm-hmm. who is the uh, mother of Shango, set out to find him a wife. And so she immediately thought of the Orisha Oba, who is one of his wives in the tales. However, Shango was not too thrilled with his mother's selection. Poor Oba. Um, he wanted someone stronger. Well, and she more cut off her ear. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but he wanted someone, you know, sh- you know, she was great, but he wanted someone, you know, stronger and, you know, more fiery. Someone, you know, you know, would be a better match to his temperament, you know? Yeah. And so the Orisha Oya would have been a perfect match for him um, as she was strong and fiery as a woman and also enchantingly beautiful. But unfortunately, she was the wife of Ogun, the god of war. Mm-hmm. Ogun was always absorbed in, you know, his campaigning or hunting mm-hmm. and never made paid more, much attention to his beautiful wife. One day, while Ogun was on a hunting expedition, Oya went to the marketplace. On her way, on, on her way, she passes the palace um, where Shango, you know, just happened to be holding a festival. He danced with grace and undeniable power. So he's also known for like his dancing, dancing yeah, yeah. skills as well as his sexual prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, when she laid eyes on him, she immediate, she was immediately spellbound. Oya could not get the handsome dancer out of her mind. When time came for another festival, she decided to bring him gifts of cola nuts, which was a mistake, by the way, mm-hmm. because regular cola nuts were one of his taboo foods. To be offered, um, to be offered this um, was a taboo and a great insult. Yeah. So, Yomoja had seen the whole thing. She had especially noted um, the look in her son's eye when he first saw Oya, because, you know, he, he actually liked her when yeah. he saw her. Um, 
but obviously he was annoyed that he was given these things. So immediately she stepped in, calming Shango's volatile temper and defending Oya. Oya returned with fine bitter cola nuts and made the proper offerings to Shango. The two looked into each other's eyes and were smitten. Shango asked Oya to marry him, concealing the fact that she was already married to Ogun. Over the, over the next several weeks, the preparations were made and the two were wed. Mm. When Ogun finally returned from his hunting expedition, how long was this trip? I know, right? Because <laughs> he, he went to the festival. Mm-hmm. Came back. Came... <laughs> went to another one. What? And then several weeks passed in the midst of preparing for a wedding. They got married and then he returned. Yeah, 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 okay. that's on him. Um, <laughs> when he finally returned, he heard the news of the marriage and he was outraged. He rushed to the palace and challenged Shango to do battle. They fought an all out war that shook the pillars of heaven. Wow. To find a solution, Obatala called them into a council of the Orishas. He presented them with a riddle. Whoever came up with the correct answer would keep Oya as his own. They were each charged to bring Obatala a sample of outside cotton and inside cotton. Yamoja consulted with Elegbara. Who told Shango that inside cotton was a spider's web and outside cotton was what was grown in the field? When the day came, Shango won the contest and Oya was given to him as his wife. But but there was still the matter of Oba, you know? Let's not forget the start he was married, um, due to be married to Oba. She had left her home and now was disgraced by Shango's rejection. In her despair, she felt that she could never return home. So she used her magic to turn herself into a river. I feel like Oba always gets the short end of the stick. She really does. It's actually, it's actually really... I need to see a story of, like, you know, uh, maybe I'll find one one day. Yeah, yeah. Find one of her triumphs. Yeah. Yeah. Yamoja told Shango that because of of what he had done to Oba, Oya might be his wife, but she could never bear children for him. So yeah, wow. that's why she, there's no children between Shango yeah. and Oya. But yeah, so this story also shows, it's also one of the stories um, that shows, you know, the battles between Ogun and Shango. And it's normally over a woman. Um, so sometimes it's Oshun, sometimes it's Oya. Sometimes it's someone completely different. Um, Interesting. But they're always fighting over for women. So I guess there's something to do with love and war in all of yeah. this. Yeah. This is sad because like, I feel like African mythology and even like, especially like Yoruba mythology in the pantheon is so like overlooked. There's so many interesting stories that I'm like, oh, I wish there was a book about it. Or I wish yeah. I could watch like a movie about this or something or a TV series. Yeah, honestly, in time, I want to be that. I want to be the one yeah, creating same. that. Yeah, same. Yeah, we should. We should def- we're any, definitely. Any budding film people out there, mm-hmm, get at mm-hmm. us because you know. Yeah, animation first, because that'll be like yeah. really, really nice to see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's Great. Thank you, Yeah. and Ogun. Lovely. Okay, so I'll be talking to you about the Spider Siblings. I only said that so it would sound cool, but it's Nancy's children. Mm-mm. Love the alliteration. Thank you very much. The sons of Nancy are spiders who have very special talents. Um, they're often compared to the seven dwarfs and 
you know, happy, grumpy, sleepy, whatever, because mm. they all have different traits that go with their names. Okay. So these are the six brothers, the spider siblings, the sons of Anansi, however you want to say it. Mm. Um, their names vary depending on what source you read, but they all have the same meaning overall. Okay. So first one, see trouble. He is the oldest um, sibling. Hence the name. He is known for leading the way, looking for danger, and for always seeing trouble. Right. Okay. So is the name actually Sea Trouble? Is yeah. that the translation of no? Um, I, I mean, in all the sources, the name is Sea Trouble or Sea All or Sea Whatever. Okay. okay. But that's his name, Sea okay. Trouble. I'm guessing it'll be whatever it is in the language in translated. Yeah. Um. Do you know what the thing is? I'd like to think so, but. I'm not sure. I feel like it's also something that it would have been just like sea trouble. But then saying that would mean that this would have to be post-colonial. Yeah, I, I get you. But maybe this was. Because like, even the way in which like when I was researching it, it didn't obviously the story was probably there anyway, but kind of this interpretation of it and mm. stuff, it seems more like post-colonial. Okay. But yeah, I mean, we'll, I could be we'll wrong. Look into it and... and if I'm wrong, let me know. Um, but yeah, so Sea Trouble is the first son. Um, the second was Road Builder. Um, so he was known for building roads and bridges to help the other sons cross. Um, and then there's River Drinker, the third son. Um, he was known for drinking lots of water from the river. Game Skinner, the fourth son, an animal hunter, known for shedding skin from animals, and um, stone thrower. As his name suggests, this fifth son was known for throwing stones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Cushion. The last sibling um, who was often used as a safety net and he was the biggest of all the sons. So I guess that's why they called him Cushion. Okay. Um, um, yeah. I, I would hate to be named whilst I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you just accidentally, I don't know, like making a dish and you're called dish maker. Yeah, my drink is just pooping in. So I can't be like, hey, it's <laughs> yeah, the <yeah>, pooper. <laughs> I think we just found that episode title. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this folk tale that I'm about to tell you about the spider siblings is actually a mashup of different versions of the story I came across online. So as I was saying, it's like, I don't know, this segment of Nancy is very, like, there's a lot of differences, but they're mm-hmm. all kind of telling the same thing. So that okay. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've kind of mashed up these different ones I've come. So it's kind of my own folk tale now. You okay. know? Yeah. I, technically, same. yeah. I even changed the name. Yeah. So the name is um, How the Six Brothers Saved a Nancy. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So long ago, a Nancy had six lively sons, each with a special talent. One morning, Anansi went for a walk and was gone for so long, his sons were surprised he hadn't yet returned. So they left and searched for him. Hours later, Sea Trouble cried, Listen to me, father fell into the river and was swallowed by a big fish. We need to go rescue him. 
Sorry, he's gone. He's gone. Like, what do you mean, mean to rescue? He, he fell into the river or swallowed by a fish. They're determined siblings, okay? Mm, They're gone. determined. Oh, that part of the circle of life now. So the road builder spun a strong spider silk road. Then he and his brothers travelled on it until they reached the river. But the water was so deep, it was hard to spot the big fish that had swallowed their father. So... River drinker leaned over the river, opened his mouth, and swallowed all of the river's water. Cap. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving the big fish on the dry river bottom. But, of course, their father was still inside the fish. So the game skinner used his skills to open the big fish. And the Nazi scrambled out and hugged his son. But then, as if that wasn't enough, an eagle zoomed down and snatched a Nazi in its beak and he disappeared into the sky. I don't know. At this point, it's natural selection. Right? <laughs> like, why, why, why are all these his ops? Like, who's out for him? Like, what's going on? So, stone thrower threw a stone at the eagle who opened its beak and let go of their father. He was now about to fall into some rocks. So this is where Cushion comes in. He raced to where his father would have hit the ground and saved Nazi from falling. Nice. Nice one. He must have been really soft then because... If someone falls on you, you're going to die. Yeah. But then height. again, these are small spiders. Oh, yeah. I forget the spiders. Well, he has to be pretty big because yeah. one of them drank a whole river. So yeah. Like, don't think about it don't too think much. About it too much. <laughs> don't ask too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> and as he was so grateful to his son for saving his life twice and for working so well together that he wanted to give them a reward. That is when he spotted a glowing white ball behind an ebony tree. And Nancy thought this would be the perfect reward for the brothers, but there was only one. So Nancy looked up at Nyame and asked if the brothers could share the reward. They all watched in wonder as Nyame scooped up the glowing white ball and hung it high in the sky. So this glowing white ball could indeed be shared and the beauty of the moon is everyone's reward. And that is the story. Wait, I got a question. So yeah. what do you mean it was split up? Are you saying the moon was split up into... No, I'm saying... And Nancy, basically, he saw he found the moon, basically, mm-hmm. behind the ebony tree. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh my God, this is a really nice glowing thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to my sons for rescuing me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, there's only one of them mm-hmm. and I have six sons. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. So he prayed to Nyame and he was like, how do I split this mm-hmm. up? And Nyame was like, I got you. So he picked up the ball and he put it in the sky. Okay. But now you can see the moon at nighttime wherever you are mm, in the mm, world. Mm, so mm. That is the present. That is the reward okay, okay, for the okay. suns. I, I hear that. Okay. I, yeah. I, I didn't hear the last part. Yeah. My bad. Didn't hear or you didn't listen? I, I didn't hear. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when, men- static. <laughs> so when mentioning Nancy's children, I also thought it'd be good to mention the novel Nancy Boys by Neil Gaiman. Mm, no. Again, yeah. another shout out to it. <laughs> yeah, but with more this time. So, in case you didn't, um, you haven't heard our Spider Man episode. Um, is that what's called? <laughs> the Man first, Spider, the original Spider Man. Yeah, the original um, Spider Man. back in season one. Um, we spoke about this, but um, a Nancy voice is basically a fantasy novel about a man called Mister Nancy who dies, leaving his twin sons, um, that were separated as young children, to discover one another. So the novel follows their adventures as they explore their common heritage. Mm. But fun fact, it's actually going to be turned into a miniseries, which will be released on Amazon Prime Video, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Beautiful. So I'm so excited. Yeah, that is something to look forward to. Um, and that's you boys on Prime Video. I am really excited about this. Mm. Yeah. 
Brilliant. You catch us at the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. giving it coverage and all that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the Spider Siblings. Hope you enjoyed. Brilliant. Um, who would you want to be out of the science Spider Siblings? Um, sea Trouble, Road Builder, River Drinker, Game Skinner, Stone Thrower, or Cushion? I mean, I feel like I want to be Game Skinner. Really? I think yeah. I'd want to be Sea Trouble. Yeah, you, you little snitch. <laughs> Damn, I said it in the first episode. I say it now. The younger siblings being snitched. Shots fired. <laughs> so, as you know, the relationship between divine beings differ from story to stories. Sometimes depending on the region or the tribe or the storyteller. Um, and, you know, we'll be speaking about these three incredible Orishas. Sometimes mother and daughters, sometimes fellow wives, and sometimes inseparable sisters. So the three goddesses, um, Oshun, Yemoja, um, and Oya, are an interconnected treble who can represent the passage of life. Let me land in a minute. But first, for those who don't know about them, a brief description of them, you know. Okay. So Yemoja is the goddess of the surface waters, the patron deity of the Ogun River, and the metaphysical mother of all Orishas. We'll co- we covered more about her in season one, the mother of Orishas, and season two, you know, in the, with the excrements of the rainbow serpents. Yeah, episode. we talked about her a lot now. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and we'll keep talking about her. Yeah, Bill. <laughs> so, Oshun is also tied um, with the concept of fertility. Um, she's a goddess of sweet waters, purity, and sensuality. We also speak about her in the episode on mummy water, which is the rainbow excrement thing. Um, our depiction of her is one of you know the most loved paintings to this, this day. day. Yeah, to this day. So have a look at it. <laughs> Bye. And finally, Oya, the mother of nine, the guardian of the gates of death. She's not deaf, but actually quite the opposite. She is symbiotic with the air that we breathe through our lungs and her wrath are tornadoes and hurricanes. I like that because like tornadoes and hurricanes are also airy thingies. Yeah, wind. Yeah, windy yeah. thingies. Mm-hmm. And we've also painted all of these. Yes, we oceans, have. So and they come in a set. They sisters. do indeed. Yeah, they do. Oh my gosh, they do. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't intrigue you enough to buy it, I don't know what will. So yeah. together, they make an elaborate symbology that can explain the critical passage along the journey of life. Oshun being conception to birth, Emerger being birth to nurturing, protection, and life, and Oya from life passage to death. Oof. Together. They are love, strength, and guidance in many ways. This is beautiful. I feel like we need to do a video on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I came up with this myself. <gasps> okay, we're doing that. <laughs> so, one of the Pathicus, which, as I said, is an oral tradition, tells of the sisters, Oshun, Oya, and Yamoja, being orphans. Their lo- the loss of their parents made them love and care for one another deeply. Yamoja, being the, the eldest, worked hard to support the younger siblings. Oshun, Oshun being the middle child, looked after Oya, the youngest. Being orphans, they were very poor. So Yamoja would go out to the sea to look for fish to sell in the markets. Oshun would then take Oya to the river to wash clothes. When she does, 
Oya would go around collecting precious stones to sell as well, and this is how they survived. One day, an enemy tribe invaded. Whilst Oshun Oshun was deep in the river, trying to catch some extra fish to help um, Yamoja, who's out in the sea looking for fish, Oya was captured by the warriors. The sisters could not hear her screams for help. They took Oya as prisoner and put up a ransom for her. In her melancholy, melancholy is like sadness, like yeah, a deep it, yeah, sadness it, um, and inability to do anything. Mm-hmm. Oshun scrounged around. Okay, that, that's like an oxymoron. <laughs> In her melancholy, Oshun scrounged around to find the money they requested. When she found enough copper to give the chieftain, the enemy chief doubled the price. Yay. He said, yesterday's price is not, not today's, today's price. price. Little did Oshun know that is because he fell madly in lust for her and and said, I will free her on one condition. You give me your virginity. She loved her sister so much and blamed herself for, for her being taken that she agreed to the terms. <sighs> Deep. When they returned home in tears, they told the returned Jamoja about what had happened. In recognition of the sacrifice Oshun made, she took the remainder coins that she had collected and embellished them on her forehead and arms. While Oya was captive, apparently Olofin, the conduit slash manifestation of the supreme deity powers on earth, went around giving the Orishas special domains to rule over, like Yomoja, the sea, Oshun, the rivers. Um, but in Oya's absence, she received nothing. Oshun interceded to Olufin, asking that she receive the domain. And finally, Olufin decided that the only place that had not yet, um, you know, had a ruler was the cemetery. So, she, so he made her the guardian of the graveyards and the ceremonial rites. And that's all I've got on the sisters. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's a story about you know love of sisters. Um, yeah. And you know the sacrifices that mm-hmm. you know we make. Yeah. I say we like I'm a sister, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know siblings. Yeah, and it's like as well as that, it also has the standard sibling, you know, older, middle, young, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as like you know sisters, as well as that. So it's cool. Yeah, and one of them being maternal. Yeah, one of them like yeah, yeah. like you know that TikTok trend when they're like they're the three siblings, and it's like I'm just a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I've not actually seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a song, um, and it's like. It shows the different personalities of like older siblings always have the same type of personality. Uh, Middle siblings always have the same type of personality and the younger siblings always have the same type mm. of personality. You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. Encanto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm the strong one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. for, the, for the older sibling, the song is, you can count on me like... Uh, and then the sec for the middle sibling is, I don't get your opinion, do what I... And the third one is, I'm just a little kid and I've got a big head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. I can canter as well with Mirabelle. Mirabelle's sister. (laughs) (laughs) Isabella. And I literally just watched Encanto the other day. That's the problem. Mirabelle. Isabella. Isabella. And Daniel. The eldest sibling doesn't get love. That's so true because we definitely forgot her. What was it? 
There's people that are screaming her name right now. I genuinely do not know what it is. Louisa! Louisa! And that's all from us. We hope you've enjoyed listening to all things about siblings in African mythology. Let us know how you found this episode by rating and leaving a review. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't already, check out the first episode of our new YouTube series, African Mythology and Culture, where we do a crash course on Yoruba mythology and the Orishas. Indeed, it's brilliant. And the video is less than 10 minutes long. So, you know, if you've made it to the end of this episode, then you can definitely watch that movie. Just 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 tag on just yeah, tag it on to your learning yeah. you know it's like you know where you get like you know extended reading you know you can do but it fun <laughs> <laughs> in a fun way we make education fun yeah we do and we'll be back next week with the minister to put your podcast notifications on because they should be on they yeah, should be at this point they at this should point, be on they should be yeah. on and stay mm-hmm. tuned yeah I think that's all um, if you've enjoyed this episode then please pass it on to a friend so that they can learn and enjoy too exactly and as always until next time thank you for listening and taking the time to explore the world of African, African mythology, mythology with, with us. us your hosts at stage why are you confused about <laughs> I thought you had this I left it alone for you I thought you were going to join in I was going to but I just wanted to see if you would you know confidently <laughs> with us your host Adechi Solomon and Solomon and Adra <laughs> whichever way you want to say it <laughs>